Well, good morning. It's good to see all of you. If you have your Bibles, would you take them and turn to the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 11 will be our uh, launching point this morning as we start into a brand new series, four-part series this month called Desperate Households. You know, you don't need to uh, convince us here on the pastoral staff that many people are living desperate lives. We see it week in and week out, from phone call to phone call, from appointment to appointment, counseling session to counseling session. We understand that people are living desperate lives, that people are living at breakneck speeds, that people are carrying weights and the stresses and the frustrations of life around their necks and just feel completely weighed down with everything that they're going through. We understand that both our homes and the homes in our neighborhoods are filled with people who are, who are either blatantly or secretly living lives of desperation. They're at their wit's end. They are at the end of their rope. They are fill in the blank with whatever metaphor you like. They're desperate. The people that we know, the people that we walk uh, with, the neighbors that we have, they're desperate. And we know and see the same things that you know and see in the lives of your neighbors, your family, your friends, and your co-workers, and even in your own lives. People are swimming in an ocean of desperation. And one of the questions they ask themselves is, how much longer can I tread water until I drown? People are living lives in complete desperation of everything that's going on in them and through them, because perhaps some of them because of their own actions and their own decisions, living lives of desperation. And they're in the middle of this ocean, treading water, asking, how long until I drown? Some of them will ask, how long until I'm rescued? At what point will the rescue come? At what point will I stop treading water? and cease being desperate in this life that I live. And some people will ask that question with with no inclination of there being an answer, but just cry it out in helplessness. Compounding this desperation are the solutions that many people apply. The solutions uh, vary from person to person and from home to home and neighborhood to neighborhood. And very often, these solutions are some of the very causes of more desperation in their own lives. People make decisions and people move in directions that, that they think are the answer to what is hindering them or holding them back or, or weighing them down, only to find that while the answer may feel good for a moment and may relieve the stress momentarily, it doesn't last. It's ending. It's fleeting. And it won't remain. People need to understand that that there have to be more answers. And so over the next few weeks, we'll look at issues of parenting, issues of fidelity in marriage, and children who are wandering. Those are some of the desperate times and desperate homes that are in our neighborhoods. But today we're going to look at how we handle life in this busy world that we live in. How do we deal with all of the time commitments and all of the pressure and all of the the things that are on our plate 
and that, that we carry on our necks throughout life, how do we handle all of these things in the busyness of the life that we have? And, and in a twist of irony this morning, we only have a few moments to talk about this. There's simply too much to do today in our worship service for me to spend more time speaking about this topic. In fact, Rick walked into my office this, this week and said, how much time do you need? I said, he said, you know, we've got new members and we've got communion this week. And, and I said, okay, um, uh, give me 30 minutes. And he's like, no, try again. We're busy. This is a busy Sunday. This is a busy day. A lot of things going on. It's kind of ironic that on this day we talk about the busyness of our lives and the hectic pace that we live. And what will we do with these moments that we have? You see, I think we've come to live and adjust very well to a Blackberry world. The solution for our busyness is that we've downloaded our lives into our Blackberries and we now carry them everywhere that we go. We place it in our pocket, we hook it to our hip, and we walk through life not leaving it behind, not leaving work at work, not leaving home issues at home, but we've downloaded everything into our Blackberries and we've hooked it onto our hip and we've walked through life, not only with the weight of the world around our shoulders, but now the weight of the world attached to our hip. And we're just trying to make it day in and day out. We live very well in a Blackberry world. Instant messaging, instant email, instant um, voicemail, so that we can be connected to everybody that is in our lives. The demands and the plans and the pressures continue to mount, and instead of keeping, keeping work at work, we bring it home with us. And instead of doing just a few things in our life and doing those few things really, really well, we jam-pack every single hour that's available in our lives. If there's an open hour, if there's an open day, if there's an open weekend, we fill it with a schedule, we fill it with an appointment, we fill it with a, uh, uh, an activity. We fill our lives with everything. There's no margin in our lives anymore. And we're desperate. We're desperate for answers, we're desperate for hope. But we've never stopped. We've never stopped this life that we live, to find those answers. We can't seem to escape. We can't seem to stop the cycles that we're in. We're constantly on the go, and as we carry the weight of our lives on our shoulders all the time, we go at a 100 miles an hour. Now, I understand that, uh, well, I want to be clear this morning that that I'm not speaking against the activities that we do. This isn't one of those messages where the preacher is going to talk about the activities that we do. By and large, in and of themselves, the things that we do are, are fine. There, there's absolutely nothing wrong with some of the activities that we choose to participate in. There's nothing wrong with that. Some of you, are, some of you at work have tremendous responsibilities. And we understand that. Some of you at work have, have so many responsibilities that it makes you highly accountable to the people that you serve and the clients that you have. And access for you is sometimes life and death. And we understand that. 
But many of us, many of us simply get caught up in the tides of life. Many of us simply get caught up into this hectic routine and tides of life. And before we know it, we're swimming in an ocean, treading water, asking, how long can I hold on until I drown? Or how long can I hold on until someone rescues me? One of the problems, just just one of the problems in all of this, is that there's no room for a respite. Instead of rest being something that we build into our daily lives, rest being something that we incorporate into the rhythm of our family, and rest being something that spouses use to reconnect with each other and to go deeper in their relationship, rest has become part of a vacation plan. Have you done this? Have you said, you know what, I can't wait to go on vacation so that I can rest. I can't wait to take a few weeks off so that I can get away from everything that's going on in my life and rest. I'm so busy. I'm so preoccupied. I'm, my, my life has absolutely no margin in it. I'm desperate right now. I need to rest. And so I will schedule rest for two weeks in mid-August. That's when I'll rest. My life is falling apart now, but I will rest in August. The stress and strain of my life is impacting me now, but it's later this summer where I will find rest. Any of you go on vacation with children? That's not rest. We were on vacation uh, in, in March with our children. We did not rest. From the day we left to the day we returned. Honestly, there was no rest. It was vacation. It was time to get away, to vacate where we were. To spend time as a family, yes. Did we enjoy it? Yes. Did we rest? Absolutely not. Our homes and the homes in our neighborhoods are filled with people who are living life at full speed. All day long, month after month, year after year. Wondering what their lives have become. Wondering where their children have gone. Wondering where their marriages have gone. And we're desperate. We're desperate for something to change. We're desperate for some hope. We're desperate for rest. And here's the message of the Gospel. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. That's the offer that Christ makes. Come to me. It really is a contrast to to the world that we live in and the society that's around us. Jesus says, come to me. When the demands of life become too heavy, He says, come to me. When the dreams are frustrated, when marriages are broken, and when life becomes just too much to bear, Jesus says, come here to me. We all realize that desperate people do desperate things. They act irrationally. They make poor choices. Their judgment is impaired. 
They run to the wrong people. They spend their time in the wrong places. And desperate, desperate people seek the wrong kind of counsel. And Jesus' offer is this. To just stop. To stop the running and come to me. This is where you will find rest. This is where you will find hope. This is where you will find that he is gentle and humble. And Jesus said that, there's no, that there are no prerequisites. There are no prerequisites to coming to Jesus and finding rest for your soul. All are welcome. This call is open and universal in scope. All of us are given this invitation. You don't have to clean up or get right with God first in order to come to Him and to find rest. In fact, I wish that's one thing the church would finally stop stop portraying in our attitudes and in our actions and in the way we, we live our lives in front of other people. You don't have to get cleaned up first in order to find rest for your spirit and rest for your soul in Christ. You simply need to come to Him just as you are. Broken, wounded, weary, empty, just as you are. There's nothing to clean up. There's nothing good enough. We can never measure up in order to find ourselves worthy in His sight. So stop trying, stop working, stop moving in those directions and simply come to Him just as you are and rest. It's my fear that we will lose a generation of young people if we don't portray to them this idea that Jesus, all He asks for us to do is come to Him just as we are. No facade, no changes, no alterations, just as we are. And when we come to Him to find rest, He will do the work in our heart. He will make us worthy. He will make us whole. He will do the work to clean us up. The invitation is clear. The invitation is open. And the invitation is to come to Jesus. And I wonder, when will we realize, when will we realize that nothing else and nobody else will satisfy? When will we get to that point? When will we get to the point where, where we finally get it that I can't keep carrying this load myself. I can't keep carrying this burden myself. I can't keep living life at this pace and at this speed. I need to stop. And I need to come to Him. Look at the contrast that Jesus draws in this passage. He uses a metaphor that would have been easily understood in that day as He begins to uh, draw out this, this illustration. He says, He talks about the yoke. Here the idea of a yoke isn't, um, isn't an animal yoke, as you would think of it, perhaps, of, of putting two animals together and yoking them together to harness their power to accomplish a task. That's not the yoke that, that Jesus um, has in mind here. The yoke that Jesus has in mind is more one of a human yoke. You know, where one that you would have something wrapped around your own neck that you would carry yourself so that you could accomplish a work or a task or a goal. 
Perhaps it would be a human yoke that would be carrying pitchers of water in that culture and in that context, or perhaps grain or perhaps food for the day. But it's something that is strapped on your shoulders. It is something that weighs across your back that you carry to accomplish a task. This is the yoke that Jesus is speaking of. This is the yoke that Jesus asks us to come and to lay down and to put aside and to take up His yoke. For you see, the yoke that we carry, the yoke that we carry has the pressures of life connected to it. The yoke that we carry carries the uncertainty of our jobs in this economy. The yoke that we carry has the the hurt of broken people. The yoke that we carry has the pain of hurting children. The yoke that we carry has all the busyness of our days. And as soon as one side is filled up, we move over to this other one and we keep pouring in and we keep filling in. And so the yoke that we carry has all of our addictions that we can't get rid of. And the yoke that we carry has all of the frustrations that are going on in our families and in our, in our lives. Our children and our teens carry the yoke of challenges to their identity and trying to find where they fit in in this culture and this society. Our children and our teens carry a yoke of stress of living in single parent homes. Our children and our teens carry the stress of living up to expectations of parents. Living with the stress of trying to make their parents proud. Our children and our teens carry this load of disappointment of the feeling of feeling neglected by their own parents. And this is the burden that we carry. And we strap it on our backs. And we carry it on our backs. And this is how we walk through life. This is how we walk through life. We carry all of this hurt and all of this pain and all of these challenges because we haven't learned to just set it down. And in our lives and in our culture, in our context, we either carry a yoke or we download it to a Blackberry and we hook it to our hip. Or we write it all in on a calendar and we put it on our refrigerator. And we keep living like this, weighed down with the pressures of life, the demands of society, everything that's on our calendars. And we walk through life. In fact, we run through life at a hundred miles an hour with this wrapped around us. And we're tired. And we're weighed down. And would somebody please just give me rest? Because I don't know how much longer I can tread water in this ocean of desperation with this around my neck. That's the cry of our culture. Jesus says to those who are weary and and heavy burden, He says your load is too heavy. He says this load that you carry, it's not for you. He says this load that you carry, you're not meant to live this way. You can't go through life like this. He says to all of you, those of you who are weary and burdened with life, to put it down to trade it in and to come to Him and to find that His yoke, His yoke is easy. His yoke is light. His yoke is gracious. 
this yoke of Christ, we can carry this. He is more than willing to make this trade. More than willing to have you come, even today, and to just drop what is yours in exchange for what is His. And in this great paradox that is the kingdom of God, when people come to Christ to seek rest and find relief, and they trade in what is theirs for what is His, they find it to be easy. And they find it to be really light. In this great mystery of God's kingdom, when we come to Christ, we find rest for our souls. In the deepest recesses of our being, Jesus grants us rest, a reprieve from our toil, an intermission from our burdens that life brings to us. Jesus gives you rest. His yoke is filled with hope. It's filled with new beginnings. It's filled with forgiveness. i got to go back to that. It's filled with new beginnings. We were teaching on this the other night at Epic. It's about new beginnings. It's not about second chances. His yoke is not about second chances. It's not about a do-over. You don't get a mulligan. It's a whole new beginning. When you come to Christ for the first time and you lay this down and you lay your burden down at Him, at His feet, at the cross, part of the forgiveness and the washing that happens in your heart and in your life is a whole new beginning. It's not a do-over. It's a fresh start. That's the yoke that Christ offers. It's one of forgiveness. It's one of grace. It's one of unconditional love. It's one of healing for broken relationships. It's the cure for addictions. His yoke is filled with rest for your soul. But we still live in this tension. We still live in this tension, don't we? Of feeling like, I understand what Jesus is offering. I understand that it's easy and it's light. I get the words that are printed. But you don't know me. I can do this. I can carry it. Really, I can. I don't need to make myself vulnerable to God. I don't need to make myself vulnerable to a church. I can carry this load. I can run with this. I can live like this and go a hundred miles an hour. I've been doing it already. My family doesn't care. It's our routine. It's how we manage. It's how we do. Some of us want to analyze every single part of what it means to lay down our burden, lay down our yoke, and take up Christ's. We want to analyze every single facet of what that means. Well, how does that look, and what does that mean, and what are the answers, and tomorrow morning when I wake up, how's that going to feel, and, and where, where am I going to go, and what's Jesus, is He going to ask me to go do, do this? Well, can I still... And, and, and a lot of us want to analyze and have every single question answered. Jesus said, just come. Come to me and put it down and take my yoke. Put yours down and pick mine up. Some of that, some of that's personality driven. 
And some of you are, are the kind of people that, that you like to have a lot of answers and you like to have a lot of things finalized before you press go or before you start out. You know, you go to a seminar and you're the, you're the kid in the class that has to have all the blanks filled in, you know, before the teacher can go on. You know who you are. And that's okay. It's okay until it hinders you in the kingdom. Because for so many, for, for whatever reason, the way God has designed it, He doesn't give us all the answers. He just says, just trust me. He says, just put it down. I think some of it's personality driven, but, but can I be honest with you this morning? I think some of it's an excuse. I think some of you, some of us, I think there are moments in our lives, even though this is burdensome, even though it's heavy, even though after a while you get pretty weary of this, there's something about what's in some of these buckets that's exhilarating. And I don't want to give that up. Even though it means I have to carry this burden, even though it means it's, it's, it's heavy and it's hard, even though it means that you know it may not fit my family, I'm going to keep carrying this because when I get to be involved in some of these things, it's pretty fun. And I'm not ready to put it down. The question is, how long do we have to keep carrying our burdens like this? And how many, time, how many people will we impact until we realize we are breaking up our lives, we are breaking up our homes, we are breaking up our marriages because we won't put our burdens down? We won't let go. How long do we have to carry it until we understand we're really desperate? Those are some of the tensions that we live with. But we need to understand and really think through the fact that the life that Christ offers to us, His yoke, His yoke that is before us, is for our benefit. It's not for our burden. 1 John 5.3 says, For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. When we, put up, when we put down our yoke and we take up His, things don't necessarily change overnight. But we understand that Jesus begins to work in our heart and work in our lives. And we understand this. Those of you that have journeyed this long enough, you understand this. It's a lifelong journey. You never stop coming to Christ in different seasons of your life and saying, I'm sorry, I picked it back up. I picked my, my frustration, my anxiety, I picked it back up and I'm carrying my own load and I don't want to do it again. God, forgive me. I want yours once again. We understand that. We understand that it's a lifelong journey. We understand that it's a lifelong journey that's wrapped in obedience. We have to follow His commands. His commands are not there to be a frustration to us. In fact, I would venture to guess that when we finally hit the wall and when we finally um, sit in total desperation as we're treading water in the ocean, I bet we get the point that God's ways are much better than ours. And we just want somebody to rescue us so that we can start all over. Philippians chapter 4, Paul says this, he says, don't be anxious for anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, the peace of God which transcends all understanding, 
will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. There's no peace in our yoke. We're weary, we're burdened, we're weighed down. But when we come to Christ and we trade ours for His, there's a tremendous amount of peace that fills our lives. All of the questions aren't answered. All of the, the directions aren't cleared up so we know exactly where we're going. But, but as Paul writes, the promise is this. There's a peace. There's a peace that comes from God that transcends all understanding. I don't know how it works. I don't get it. All I know is that when I come to God, it comes. This peace fills my heart when I honestly, sincerely come to Him and say, I'm done. I'm done carrying it myself. I'm putting it down. I want your way for me. There's a peace that fills our hearts that transcends all understanding. And that peace will guard you. It will guard your hearts and your minds from going back and picking up your old yoke. Imagine what are in the buckets that we carry each day. Imagine how full and heavy, weighed down with responsibility, frustration, fears, and desperation the buckets are that we carry with our own yoke. Now imagine coming to the foot of the cross and trading your yoke in for one that Christ offers, one in which He offers rest for your soul. Today you have the opportunity to make that trade. And as we prepare our hearts for communion and draw this message to a close, I'm going to invite you to just make that trade if you're that desperate. If that's where you find yourself today, carrying that load all by yourself, carrying that load through life going a hundred miles an hour, you have an opportunity today to trade it in for the hope and the peace and the mercy of Christ. And so I pray that you would, either where you are sitting this morning, or if you want to make a a statement physically by coming up and, and praying about your situation, you're welcome to do that as we sing this next song. But just take these moments to rest in Him. Let's pray. Father, we pray this morning that that we would really understand the weight of what we carry and that we would seek to, to lay it down, to trade it in, to give it up. Some of us this morning are so desperate for change. We need you. So God, help us, remind us of how faithful you are, how much you love us, and grant us that peace when we trade our yoke for yours. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.